this is probably like one of the humblest things um, that we get to do, right? Um, is to gather around God's word together and to just hear from him. Amen. And it's humbling for me because if I mess up and I say something that's not good, I'm held double accountable. So like there's this, um, that's always fun, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, I'm held accountable to that. So yeah. <laughs> so, all right, here's the question, I, man, this question was posed to me this week. And as I heard this question, it, it actually, from the person I heard from, it actually shook me to my core because I never really had thought about this question myself. And so when this question was, was brought to my attention, I thought to myself, whoa, this is an intense question. And the question is, when is good, good enough? When is good, good enough? Because I think as Christians, every one of us in this room, like we, we wrestle with this idea. We wrestle with like, how good is, is my good? Like, how good is my good? Is my good good enough? Like, am I doing enough for the Lord? And then the next question is, how can I know that I've done enough for Jesus? Like, have you ever thought that? Have you ever had that pondering in your heart? Like, maybe I'm alone in this. Have you ever had those moments like when you've done something for the Lord, right? And you walk away and you're like, oh, should have done this. Oh, should have done that. Right, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I could have done more, right? And and so I just want to kind of speak into that today. We're gonna to have a lot of verses, so um, and then I just want to kind of close this off. Listen, we're still gonna get done way before cordwood, so you know, um, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Anyways, um, um, and please, please be praying for cord because he actually has some vertigo going on. So please be praying for him. Um, I say that I, I know I make that joke every time I preach, but but um, uh, one because it's true, but two. Um, uh, but we need to be praying for cords. So, um, just check this out. Ephesians two, eight through 10, it says this for by grace, you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. So that no one may boast, right? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So that's the first scripture, right? So it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, right? Uh, not as a result of our works. So none of us in this room can boast, right? None of us are going to get to heaven and be like, I deserve to be here. Shoot. I don't know about you, right? But, but I've done enough, right? Like none of us can go before God in that way, right? We have nothing to boast about before God, right? For we are his workmanship. We're created new in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to walk in, right? So there are good works that God is calling you to do that he prepared beforehand, knowing that you would come to know him and he prepared those beforehand for you to walk in them. Okay. Next scripture for the grace of God has appeared. So great. Listen, a lot of times when the Bible says grace, it actually means strength. That God's given you the strength to endure. That's his grace, right? God's given you grace in the moment. Does that make sense? To continue on, to do what you couldn't do on your own, to endure in the hardship, to endure in the trial, to endure in the temptation, right? So for the grace of God has appeared. Now that's salvation, right? Bringing salvation to all men. So God has favored you, right? You don't deserve it. God just loves you, right? Instructing us to deny ungodliness of world desires and live sensibly. So what's it doing? It's instructing us. Go back one, sorry. It's instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So this grace of God that's come into your life, this is what it should be doing, right? It should be instructing us to deny ungodliness, right? So if you're in this room right now, I'm going to be careful. <laughs> if, you, if you're in this room right now and you're wrestling 
or you're, or you're struggling with a habitual sin that's in your life, right? And you're not allowing, and, and, and you're not, and you're not fight. Listen, the Christian life, we're called to be violent and courageous when it comes to our sinful, when it comes to the sinful, our fallen part of us, right? We're called to attack that with all of our being. Listen, we're not called to just accept it. We're not called to sit back and be like, well, I'm saved. Jesus loves me. Like his grace is on me, right? No, the grace abides on you as we continue to confess our sins, right? He's faithful and just to forgive us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, right? But it comes from confession, repentance, try, you know, striving to get up when we fall, right? It's that kind of thing. But if you fall and you just stay down, you need to look at your life and ask yourself, man, do I really know him? Really? That's a hard word, but it's true. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly. Okay. Righteously and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession to for what? Zealous for good deeds. You're called to good deeds, right? You're called to live in that reality. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So he didn't save us on the basis of good deeds. He didn't save us on, those ba- on the basis of that, but he did save us because to do those things. Does this make sense? So we get the cart before the horse a lot of times in our faith, right? We're going, oh, well, I have to do good deeds in order for God to like me, right? No, God likes you and he loves you and he accepts you right now where you are. The good deeds flow from that, right? The good deeds flow from the reality that you've been accepted, right? You and I have been accepted into the kingdom of God. Our good deeds flow from that, amen, right? They don't, listen, if you're still trying to earn God's favor, you can't do it. That's why it's grace. And look, even if you could do it because of our fallen nature, you and I would be looking at each other like, got you beat. Got you beat. And you beat, right? I mean, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We'd be looking at everybody through that lens, right? And we'd be going, well, man, I know I'm in. If that one's not in, I'm definitely in. You know what I mean? And like, and like you'd be going, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as that one. You know what I mean? And it would just be, you know, Ah, because we're horrible human beings. (laughs) Anyways, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. All right. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made his, his, uh, sorry, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement concerning these things. I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So all throughout Titus, he's bringing up these good deeds, good deeds. Because the Cretan were crazy people, right? He's writing to uh, Titus who's in Crete and they were insane, right? They, like one of their own prophets were like, all Cretans are liars. And, and then Paul's like, this statement's true. So it's like, wait a minute, Paul. I thought they were all liars. Anyways, um, but <laughs> so the next verse, Titus 3.14. Our people, listen, oh my goodness. Paul writing to the church says this to Titus about the church. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Um, 
Remember the parable that Jesus gives of the sheep and the goats? You guys remember this parable, right? And he's like, there's coming a day where I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. Now I'm about to, oh man, this is so good. This is so good. What does he say to the goats? He's like, when I was hungry, you didn't do what? You didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't do what? You didn't give me something to drink. When I was, when I was in prison, you didn't what? Come to visit me, right? When I was sick, I can't remember what it says there. I should look that up. But anyways, oh, sorry. But like, but, right, but, but listen, I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I remember more than you. No, I'm sure. <laughs> anyways, um, totally joking. Anyways, um, so, so, right. And like, so the goats are like, when did we ever see you that way? Right? When did we ever see you like that? And Jesus says, whenever you didn't do it onto the least of these, you didn't do it onto me. So what are the goats remembered for? For what they what? Didn't do. Then he looks at the sheep and he's like, hey, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was, when I was in prison, you came and visited me. When I was sick, sick, you took care of me, right? And, and then he says, and he says to them, he, and they go, they go, well, we, and I think the difference is the, the one, the goats were like, when was it you? When? When was it? What, what time was that? Right? That's the goats. The sheep are like, when? Which time was it you, Lord? And Jesus says, whenever you did it onto the least of these, you did it onto me. Right? They're remembered for what they did. Listen, this whole idea that you... This whole idea that you're going to stand before God one day, there's going to be a huge screen... Right? And everyone's going to have to watch your junk and be like, did you see what they just did? Right? Like, we've been told this. We've been told this, like, oh. we've been told this in churches, right? There's going to be this huge screen. All your sins are going to be played on this big screen. But listen, as you're confessing your sins and repenting, Jesus is removing those things as far as the east is from the west. And what he says is on that day when he comes back and he separates the sheep from the goats, what's going to be remembered is what you did in his name, not what you didn't do. Come on. That's good news. And that's grace. Grace looks at what you did for him, not what you didn't do for him. So when is good good enough? How do I know I've done enough for Jesus? We're going to get there. I'm sorry for the baby crying. That's probably my fault. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 says this, therefore, since we are, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, stop right there. This great cloud of witnesses, there's a, there's witnesses in the heavens watching us, cheering us on, going, you can do this. You can make it. Abraham, Moses, he, t- he goes through this whole list in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, right? They're all watching us, right? This great cloud of witnesses are watching us. And all of it is, is all the, th- listen, when you read Hebrews 11, Samson makes it into Hebrews 11. Samson. Do we know this cat? Like, he's a womanizer. He's like not doing what God wants to do. But his one stance of faith at the end of his life, he kills more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. And he makes it in. You know what I'm saying? Like, that cat made it. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance. 
So that's the things that are getting in our way, the, the, the things that we're putting our own, in our own way, that are getting in our own way of our walk with the Lord, and the sin which so easily entangles us. Because there are things that, come into, that we allow to easily entangle us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there's this race that God has given you to run. There's a race that you are called to want, run. I'm not called to run your race. I'm called to run my race, right? And how do we do that? We do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy set before him. So he's going, hey, I'm enduring all this. Listen, you're going to endure hardship as a believer. You're going to endure, you're going to endure, you're going to endure a lot of things in your life, right? But you endure them in the reality that there is joy coming to you. Maybe not in this life, but the one to come. That's why you endure it. That's why Jesus endured the cross. He endured the cross because of the joy set before him. He looked down the spectrum of time and goes, I know that my death is going to pay for the sins of the entire world. And that those who were once turned away from God will be turned back to him. Right? And their lives will be radically altered and the world will be changed for good. And one day he'll ratify all of it. But you and I are called to usher in that kingdom. So when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's looking at you going, hey, I put you here for that. So, okay. How do we do this? What does this look like? Right? Number one, be obedient in the moment. You have to be obedient in the moment. Right? When is good good enough? Be obedient in the moment. Stop worrying about good being good enough. Stop worrying about, am I doing enough good for Jesus? Be obedient in the moment. If you're obedient in the moment, you'll, you'll be doing what Jesus asked you to do, and that's enough, right? Stop leaving that moment and going, I should have done this, I should have done that, I, I could have done this, I could have done that, right? That's, that's the enemy. Yeah, you could have done that, but don't you think God's good enough in the moment to be like, hey, also do this, Right? You guys remember the parable of the two sons? You guys remember this parable? So two sons. I love this parable because it's such a kid thing, right? But the parable of the two sons. So two sons, the father goes to one son. He goes, hey, go work in my vineyard today, right? And and the and the one son's like, oh yeah, I'll, dad, I'm I'm there. I'm already I'm already working, dad, right? Like he's like, I'm going to go, right? Homeboy doesn't go, right? The other the other son goes, there's like, hey, go work in my vineyard today. The son's like, heck no, I ain't going to work in your vineyard. Like I got better things to do, right? <laughs> so, but then he goes and does it, and Jesus is like, who did the will of the father? Was it not the one who went and did it? Right? See, we, I said this last time I preached, but it's, it still rings true. Like, we tend to think that, like, we have to have some kind of feeling before we do something for Jesus. If he says do it in his word, do it. You don't need to have some kind of, like, fuzzy feeling inside. Where you're like, oh, Jesus, I just love you so much. I'm going to totally do this. No, do it. Because you should do it. Right? But we like think it doesn't count. We think it doesn't count if we don't feel that like part in us that like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. I figured I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on Wednesday night, you know. Um, could be anywhere else. <laughs> so, um, God is only calling us to do what he wants us to do in the moment. God is only calling us to do what he wants us to do in the moment. Right? Um, 
Andrew Murray, great Christian writer, he said this. He said, um, if God gives me what he requires of me, then no requirement can be too great. If God gives me what he requires of me, no requirement can be too great. So if God is giving to me what he's asking me to do, then nothing he asks me to do will be beyond what I'm able. Right? Listen, God isn't asking you to do what I do. So you have to stop looking at other Christians going, man, look how great they are. Look how great. They're not great. None of us are great. There's only one great. Amen? So stop looking at the other slackers in the room. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because each one of us have missed the moment. Each one of us has gone, oops, I totally didn't do what I was supposed to do there. Right? Every one of us. But your giftings, your calling is different from mine. My calling is different from yours. And God is going to call you to do things according to how he's given you the ability to do it. Does it make sense? Isn't that good? Look, we don't look at our kids when they're like two and go, hey, can you pick up the boulder for me? We don't do that. Sorry to spit. Sorry. This is the wet zone right here. Um, So (laughs) we don't do that. Right? Why don't we do that? Because they can't do it. Right? Now we might look at one of our teenagers or something like that. Hey, can you move that? Maybe they could move a boulder. I don't know. Boulders are, I don't know how much a boulder weighs. But anyways, like, but it's in accordance with the ability that you have. That's all God's asking you to do. It's to do within the ability he's given you to do. Does that make sense? Okay. I was, um, share this crazy story with you. So when I, when I first came to know Christ, um, like many of you, there, I was just on fire. You know what I'm talking about. Like, I was just like, yes, Lord. Like, I could get enough of them. I was like, give me more Jesus. Anyways, like, probably, sorry, I probably should have done that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, I just, I, just want, I just wanted more of the Lord. You know, I just want, I couldn't get enough. I could not get enough. Right? I just like, Jesus was just pouring in. I'm going to get emails or something about that. But, but, um, <laughs> Cord's going to be like, dude, you're never preaching for me ever again. Uh, um, but like, he's probably watching. I'm probably going to get a bing on my phone and be like, what was that? Anyway, uh, uh, but like, <laughs> but I just, I couldn't get enough Jesus. So I like, I was just, I wanted more and more and more of him. And I still want that. I still like, but the difference is, is like, I know I need that. Where before I just felt it all the time. Like I was like, I just feel Jesus all the time. Like I just can't like, you know, and, but now it's like, I, I've been, I've grown up and, and now I just want to make sense. It's no longer because I feel a certain way. It's because I want to do it. So I was going door to door and sharing the gospel with people. Right. And I knocked on this one door, right. This guy comes to the door. His name's James, long hair, beard, you know, looks like he's had a life. You know what I'm saying? And, and, so he comes to the door. I start talking to him about the Lord. And he's like, well, Hey, can you come back and talk to me like next week? So I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll come back. You know? So next week rolls around, I go to the door, knock, knock, you know, his wife comes to the door. I'm like, is James here? She's like, yeah, but he's in the shower. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So, so James, James ghosted me. He's ghosted me. He's go, I go back three weeks in a row. James is ghosting me. He's like, I'm not talking to the cat. I'm not talking to the cat. I'm not talking to the cat. Right. And so I'm like, what is going on? So I just stopped going. 
So it's Halloween. It's, we're doing this thing called Judgment House. Anybody ever heard of this? It was like an old school, like, uh, you know, faith-based haunted house, which is kind of weird. But anyways, um, but, but uh, like it, people got thrown in hell and went to heaven and it was a thing. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've never been to one of those, they're, they're amazing. But anyways, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I got thrown in hell for like the 15th time that night. But anyways, um, yeah, ADHD moment. Um, so like I, so I'm, I'm there, I'm there at the church and James shows up, James shows up. He goes, dude, I've been looking for you all night. Right. And I was like, well, you should just looked at me, you know, look for me in hell. Anyway, no, I'm just joking. Um, but, but like, so, there, so he come, he comes in, he sits at the table and he sits across the table from me and he goes, Hey man, I have AIDS. I just found out I have AIDS. I was not ready for that. Um, and he goes, I'm addicted to drugs and I got AIDS from using a, a needle. And um, so I proceeded to share the gospel with him in that moment. So James came to faith in Christ, right? Three years later, I'm living in Michigan. I get a phone call from James and he goes, hey, I don't have a lot of time left to live. And I wanted to call you before I died and tell you thank you for sharing the gospel. But I didn't do anything beyond what God had enabled me to do. I just did what I felt like God was calling me to do in the moment. Make sense? Another crazy story. I'll share one more crazy story. I don't think I've shared this story yet. If I have, forgive me. But So <laughs> I'm driving home from work. Right. I'm only going to share these two because the rest are for me. Anyway, so, so <laughs> the rest are between me and the Lord. Anyway, so I'm driving home from work. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let your right hand know what you're like. <laughs> so, like so I'm driving home from work, right? I'm driving home from work. I'm working in construction. And this guy, is, this old man is broken down on the side of the road. So I drive right past him, right? And I get past him. I see him, but I get past him. And the Holy Spirit was like, really, bro? Really? You're just going to pass by like the Pharisee and the Sadducee and not do anything, right? And I'm tired, man. I'm working like concrete in Florida in the summer. You know what I'm saying? It's hot. So so, so I turn around and I go back and I go up to the old guy. Have you guys heard this story? Good. Okay. So I, I, go, I go up to this old man and I go, hey, I'd like to help you change your tire, right? He's like, that would be great. And I was like, do you have a jack? He goes, yes. Pull, now, this is a huge van. Like, you know, one of those sleeper vans, you know what I'm talking about? Like you could live in it, you know, it's got like an upstairs and a downstairs in the bathroom, you know, um, it's one of those kind of vans. So like, so I'm there, he gets a jack out of the back of his car, this big, this big is his jack. So I'm on this busy road. Cars are like, wing, wing, you know, like going like 60 miles an hour. I'm laying down on the side of this road. So I'm like, dear Lord. I just need you to protect me right now so I don't die, you know? So as soon as I get to praying that, dude, this cop car comes up, puts his lights on, cars are going around him slowly. I'm like, thank you, Lord, thank you. So I'm jacking this car up, right? It's one of those ones you like have to turn it, which aren't those the most annoying ones? Anyway, so I'm turning that thing, like turning it, turning it. I get it all the way up and the tire is still on the ground. The cop and the old guy are sitting by me just chatting away. And I'm sitting there going, dude, I can't do anything about this, right? So I start praying. I'm like, Lord, I need you to send somebody to get this tire off. Like, I don't have, 
I am not kidding you. I swear to you. This guy comes driving up in a pickup truck with a big, um, what are those things called? Trailer on the back. Sorry. Who said what? Anyway, big trailer on the back. I'm sorry. Um, big trailer on the back. He pulls out a floor jack. Wait, that's not even the best part. He's got Jesus written on the back of his pickup truck. Come on. He's got Jesus written on the back of his pickup truck. He pulls out a floor, dra- dra- floor jack, three pumps, boom, boom, boom. Things off the ground. He gets out an air drill. I'm not kidding. Takes the tire off, puts the tire back on. And I'm sitting there just kind of like, Lord, what's going on right now? You know what I mean? The cop and the old guy are still just chatting away like it's just another day in the neighborhood. You know, and I'm sitting there going, what? So I, I, I started following the guy back to his truck. I was like, hey, 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 do you know Jesus? He's like, yeah. I was like, me too. I was like, dude, I was show, I was praying you were going to show up. He just looks at me. He's like, okay. He gets back in his car and drives off. And I'm sitting there like, what just happened in my life? Right? You never know. Listen, if you're willing to be, just if you're willing to allow for distraction in your life, you'll never know what God can do. Right? Look, God didn't want me to do that. He just wanted me to show how cool he is. And God is super cool, right? Like, that's all God, God was like, I'm about to show off right here, you know? And I'm just praying, oh man, so good. Yeah, yeah. So good. So God, God has worked for us according to where we are in our faith. God has worked for us according to where we are in our faith. And look, the more obedient you are, the more he'll give you to do. You want more to do? Be obedient. Be more obedient. Be obedient in the moment. He's not called, listen. If you have an inkling on your heart to go do something from God, you need to go do it, right? And you need to not delay. But you just need to be obedient in the moment. He'll take care of the rest. When we are faithful in the little things, he'll put us in charge of greater things. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Just for your grace, your mercy, your love, Lord God. We thank you that you call us. Lord, when is good good enough? It's always good enough in you. Whenever you've called us to do something and and we've obeyed, it's good enough. And Lord, may we not let the enemy creep in and go, you could have done more. You really stink at life. Look at what everyone else is doing. Lord, may we not get our eyes on other believers, but may we fix our eyes on you. For you are the author and perfecter of faith. You're the one that's calling us to do things in the moment. Lord, let us just be obedient to you in the moment. And let us trust you with the rest of it. Um, we know you've called us to do good works. Lord, may we not sit back and do nothing, but may we also not lose heart when we've done something for you, but we feel like in the moment, maybe it wasn't enough. May we not do that to ourselves because you've called us to it. We were obedient and we did it. And may we, t- may we rejoice in that, Lord God. And Lord, at the end of our life, we're only going to be able to say we did just exactly what you called us to do anyways. <laughs> um, And so, Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord Jesus, anyone in this room who's wrestling with not being enough, where they realize that your grace is sufficient in every season, 
And Lord, that you are able, uh, you are able and willing to help us in our time of need. And Lord, help us just to be the light that you've called us to be. For we ask it all to your glory, King Jesus. Amen.